Welcome to Morning Coffee and Mimosas. I'm Christina. And I'm Joe. And we are a father-daughter duo. We come here Sunday mornings. You can come here anytime you please. And we talk about life, we talk about business, and we do it over coffee and mimosas. Awesome. Welcome to episode eight. This is a very special episode. It's very special. Wouldn't you agree, Faj? I would agree with that. We have a very special guest today. Actually, our first guest. So you guys don't have to listen to just my dad and I anymore. <laughs> which, like, hallelujah, because I was getting real sick of hearing us talk. No, no, never, <laughs> never. So I would like to welcome to our podcast this morning one of my very best friends who happens to be married to one of my very, very best friends. Stephen Cordopassi. I can't help but to call him Svenny. Don't know where that came from, but Steve, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you both, Joe and Christina, for having me. And it's weird to hear you call me Stephen, so definitely go back to calling me yeah, Svenny. Yeah, Svenny. But for anybody that wants to look him up, Stephen Cordopassi, <laughs> I'm going to embarrass you for a second. Please, please go right ahead. Because on our episode today, we're going to talk about entrepreneurship, the journey, the good, the bad, the ugly, the dirty. We all have a perspective working for people, working for yourself, and there is no better person for us to have as a guest to talk about that because Svenny Steven Cordopassi is a freaking hustler. Thank you. The laundry list of things that you do. We've got CKO Wayne, which if you guys need a workout, best workout in town. Thank you. Got So Fresh, So Clean meal prep, started from the ground up. Gas stations, real estate, janitorial supply. I mean, I don't even know what else you'll have to fill us in, yeah. but the guy does everything. <laughs> and that, I think that's the really uh, cool thing about having you here is that you are a friend, but that's not why you're on the show. Uh, I think that's what's going to make think, it so think, powerful for uh, he's everybody. He's actually on the show because he brought champagne and coffee. Well, he did. <laughs> I know my audience, so to speak. I know, Joe, I know you're a big coffee guy, so I was like scouring for the whole week. I'm like, where am I going to get this guy some good coffee? I can't show up. You know, he you literally know, was texting me, does he have a grinder? Does he like French press? I'm, I'm a coffee guy myself as well, so I appreciate a good cup of coffee mm -hmm. as well. I love a good French press. I don't know if you're into the French press game. I have one, but I, I actually have a uh, Technovore Mocha Master. Okay. The finest drip coffee maker that you get. I was going to throw it out there and he was going to crush me with some, no, some no, advanced no, no. coffee. No, no, French jargon. <laughs> but typical Italian boy, you can't show up empty handed. You know, you have to come bearing <laughs> gifts. I hope you enjoy the coffee. I hope you enjoy the champagne. It probably won't last the hour. So, uh, no, we're already into our second bottle. That's we? <laughs> you. I mean, you have a drink. Uh, well, but I had coffee. So anyway, the moral of the story is we're not really responsible for anything we say here this morning. Right. Okay. <laughs> Thank God the song. Steve it? is here, so we get some good content for the people who are listening. Yeah. I've been drinking too, so be careful. You may want. You, there might be a lot of lot, lot of stuff done in the editing room, but yeah. Thank you for having me here. I'm yeah. truly we're honored. honored. No, we're honored too. I, I don't think that you really had much of a choice because I've been hounding Christina mm -hmm. since this first started. So I was like, oh my God, you're doing a podcast. That's great. You know, let me be on your show. Let me be there. Let me be there. So. I think uh, that you know she kind of just pitied me and, and let me be on. So. No, I'm so excited no, that somebody right. cared to be on. <laughs> no. The, the first episode, I was like, Dad, this is so awesome that we're doing this together and we have no listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a groupie for sure. So, yeah. so thank the show's you. doing well. Thank you. This so. is a fantastic show. I'm happy to be a part of it. Okay, so let's start to dig into this and tell the people. Totally. What, what are we going to tell them today? I kind of forgot already. But, Steve, thinking about your entrepreneurial journey and Dad, well... 
let you interject here a time or two. I know you've got some experience in this, but I want to start and hear a little bit about your story. And just going back to, if anybody didn't tune into episode two, where we learned about my dad's journey, I'm going to ask a question first about what did little Stephen Cortopassi, that adorable little babe, what did you want to be when you grew up? Because I like to know what you wanted to be, and then we can kind of figure out where did you go. An actor, hands down. I want to be an actor. Like you asked me wow. as a kid, I want to be an actor. I was hmm. infatuated with movies. I was infatuated with like the the whole like glam of it. I want to be an actor. Like the money, obviously. I wanted to, like the fame. I wanted it. I was completely sold on it. That was my thing. And then, as I got a little bit older, and realized that I probably wasn't going to be an actor, I it's stupid. And it, you still I, could. I, yeah, no, you never know. You might get your big break here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm hoping for. I told you, Leo is going to do your show one day, and, and you're going to be like, yeah, you know, we first started with Stephen Corbezzi. Who the hell is that guy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a big actor these days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Catch him in, like, Godfather 45. <laughs> exactly. But, no, actor was always my thing in the beginning, and then, like, as I got older, I realized, like, the acting thing probably wasn't really working out so well, and then I started getting more into, all right, you're going to go to college, you're going to start a career, what are you going to major in, what are you going to do? And, and everybody was, oh, you got to major in finance, you got to do this, you got to do that. What's the one of the best paying jobs in finance? I was like, oh, investment banker. Like I didn't know what the hell an investment banker did. I would. That's what I wanted to do. As I was growing up into manhood, that's what I would like convince myself that I wanted to be. So your journey was very much, I think, back to yours, Dad, mm -hmm. when you wanted to be a garbage man. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. It's a sanitation worker, please. Exactly. Use the Thank you. Sanitation. Right. Excuse me. Sanitation. Thank, sanitation. Thank you, Steve. You're Thank welcome. you. To be clear, once sure, again. Sure, you'd be a fantastic sanitation Thank worker. Thank you. <laughs> But, you, you know, your calling then became much like you went the direction of acting to investment banker. You were like, okay, well, accounting, that sounds like somewhere I'd go and make money. Totally. So it's kind right. of like the... That was it. It was like I wanted to make money. I was, to I was told you could make money in that. You were told you could make money in that. And that's what you wanted to do. Totally. You went into finance. Quick backstory on college. I went to three different schools. Right out of high school, I didn't get into the schools that I wanted to. So I was accepted to Johnson & Wales University, which is in Providence, Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. And if anybody knows what Johnson & Wales is, it is known for col their culinary, culinary arts, which ironically, I later on have a food business, right? But I wasn't a culinary major. I was a business major. So I got in pretty easily because it's a culinary school with a small business campus. So I got in, I got like straight A's my first half year. I moved home, went to community college for another year just to build up my grades again. And then I transferred to the University of Delaware because I knew that Delaware was a much better school and it would give me a better shot at getting a, a good job coming out of right. college. That was like my mature thinking. So while I'm in college, I'm trying to get internships. And I remember like in Newark, Delaware, I interned for Morgan Stanley down the street. It was a miserable job. Like I hated my life there. You know, I'd go there two, three times a week. Um, I just hated it, but I was like, no, you have to stay the course, you have to do this. Once I graduated and I was looking for jobs in like Wall Street investment banking for these big firms, I was finding out that University of Delaware wasn't the Ivy League that I thought it was, or right, it wasn't right. the, the cream of the crop that I thought it was. And I was a very close friend of mine, he is a bond trader uh, for a big firm in, in the city, and he said to me, you know, very early, he, he handed me a resume from a kid that was applying for like a junior trading position. He goes, I want you to know something. He goes. I know that you want this life. He goes, but this is what you're competing with. And he threw the resume to me. And it was a guy who did like two tours in Iraq, 
a guy who went to Columbia, he had an right. MBA. He's like, you're way behind these people. And he's like, and we may not even take this guy. This is what you're dealing with. Wow. Yeah, like, no wow. offense. Like, no right. offense, but you're, yeah. you're like, sorry. Like, you're, you're not getting this. It's like, we all think who we are, but we're all kind of a nobody. Totally. In the, in the grand scheme of things. It, it was right. humbling. It was like a yeah. very humbling experience for me. So I did the next best thing, and I was like, okay, I'll get into sales. Mm -hmm. And at that time, this is now you're talking the years of, this is like 2004, 2005. The mortgage industry was booming. Every, you know, like kid that you knew that wasn't really like the sharpest guy in school, but was a kind of like a hustler type of a mm -hmm. guy and a hardworking right. guy. They were in the mortgage business and there was kids in their mid twenties driving around in Ferraris. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? Oh, I'm in the mortgage business. So for me, I was like, wow, I got to get into the mortgage business, you know? So that's when I started that. And, and I kind of got rid of the, the whole investment banking thought. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, go, go be a hustler now. Go, go hustle because the mortgage business. And, and I was very much like. I need to find a job where I'm getting a good salary, good benefits, this and that. And you get a job in the mortgage business, you are making no salary, you have no benefits, and everything that you make is strictly of what you produce. Mm -hmm. So I took it as like a challenge and I said, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna work my butt off, and I'm gonna be successful. So that was the beginning of that stage. It's really cool. And I mean, when, when I think about your career, the thing that's interesting, it's like, you. so you spent time doing things that conventionally you're kind of like, okay, this is what you do if you when you get out of school and you want to start building something. Totally. I was and you want to be an adult, yeah. right? Like I was doing what I thought I should be doing. Right. Yeah, which right. is so often yeah. what we do. And I mean, school doesn't really prepare you for what you're actually going to do in the future. It's like you go to school for something and then you got to figure it out. But what's interesting, I think, about your whole journey is like, so you, you did the corporate grind, you did the finance thing, Wall Street, working in the city, doing the mortgage thing where you're basically hustling, having to sell to people that are in your personal sphere, friends and family, which is challenging because that's a hard sale. Totally hard sale. I think I a was... lot harder than selling for a company is selling yourself to people that are your friends. Without a doubt. In the beginning, when I first got the job in, in a mortgage bank, it was in the same town that I grew up in, in Marlboro. It was a big firm, a lot of heavy hitters working there, and I was just a nobody, and I was just literally learning the business. And a, a very close friend of mine, my brother's best friend, had moved to California maybe five years earlier. And he moved to California because he wanted to be an actor. And just like every actor out there, they needed to find a job, and he started working in the mortgage business. Well, fast forward to the five years later, he was making an, an amazing amount of money, and that acting was no longer a thought in his mind. He now was opening his own firm, he was growing his, he was growing a team and like this and that. And he was in the middle of LA, like right in like Beverly Hills. So I remember having a conversation with him. He's like, you're in the mortgage business. He goes, come out to LA. He goes, I promise, I swear, I will not let you fail. I promise you will make money out here. And he said to me, he said, might've said like, how many deals are you closing a month? And I said to him like one or two or whatever. He's like, come out here, you're close five to 10 deals a month, easy. No. Wow. And I was, wow. and I was like doing the numbers and it was like, you know, the, the scene in, um, <laughs> in, uh, what is it with Galifianakis? And, um, <laughs> you know I'm not good at this. I know, I know. <laughs> the the Hangover when like yes. the, like all like the numbers are like are, like the the equations are going in his head. So I start doing the numbers. I'm like, oh my god, I can make this amount of money. And I'm 23 at the time, 22. I'm a little 20, like like a young kid. So I'm I'm getting sold on it. I'm like, LA, sure. I go out to visit him. I have a great long weekend. Like he was selling me on coming out. I go back home. I talk to my parents. I was like, I think I'm gonna do this. And they were all for it. They go. You have nothing. You're not married. You have no kids. You have nothing holding you back go so 23 years old packed up i moved to la That's awesome. and it was like one of the best decisions i ever made in my life I, be, I became so much more independent 
you know, I lived on my own. I didn't have anybody to fall back on. You had the prospect of possibly getting that acting career to come to life. Well, that was so it's funny you say that. <laughs> because back of your mind, right? That right? was exactly <laughs> it. So the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, you know, I'll, you know I'll, I'll tell certain people I'm going to L.A. to be an actor if it, if it works out. You know, if I get an audition here and there, I'll and take it. And then you're it. like, you know what? They're going to see how good I am at selling a mortgage. They're going to be like, this guy is a natural actor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So like the, like the sky was the limit for me when I was out there. So um, I did that. I went to L.A. I started working for him. And he delivered on what he said. You know, it was a legitimate, like, mm-hmm. real deal. Like, I worked, like, 12 to 14 hours a day, cold calling, picking up the phone, cranking it out, busting my ass. And I was doing well at, at that young age, you know? Now, we're only in 2008. Yep. Yeah. I was just going to say, and time, what year is this, this right? <laughs> this is 2000. Yeah, so I went, to, went out there, like, 2006, 2006, 2007, and then 2008. You know, and here I am on my high horse as like a 24-year-old kid, mm-hmm. you know, thinking like, oh, yeah, I was going to like art galleries. Like, who the hell I thought I was? Like, looking at like <laughs> artwork. Like, the the 38-year-old me now would go back and slap that 25-year-old kid. <laughs> right. Like, you're a jerk. You're an Like, idiot. you're nobody. You're, you're a nobody. <laughs> Get out of that art right. gallery. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> go do some finger paintings at Totally. Home. But I think that's a good point, though, because we talked a little bit about, Dad, one of, I think, the biggest experiences that taught you something in your career and I'm putting words in your mouth but you had something really niche going with one of your businesses and Mm -hmm. it would have been amazing if it wasn't for the external like things that can happen so anytime that you're in business whether it's you're starting something yourself there's so much that can happen that's not within your control absolutely it was literally like 10 years prior to the 08 you know it was before that actually I'm aging myself 20 years before I was so brilliant to specialize, which was brilliant until it wasn't specialized with a accounting system and time and billing system for architects and engineers. It was accounting software for yeah. okay ar- architects and engineers, which they're professionals. They need the time and billing. We had great clients. They had money. It was fantastic. Sure. Until it wasn't right. because the bottom fell out. And literally, architectural firms filed for bankruptcy. Engineering firms filed for bankruptcy. Real estate plummeted. Because it was the, the housing same market thing. and the real estate market. So they kind that's of like correct. Took, it, it took was, the ride with them down. That's correct. It was the same thing that happened to you in 08. Totally. When I look at your resume now and all the different things that you have going, I mean, this year has taught all of us a lot. Oh because everything that you have can crumble. Like, my husband works in events. There's been no events. Everything can change. So if you don't have multiple streams of income and multiple things that you're focused on, there's so much risk. Well, it's true. But the people, like yourself, something bad happens, but you don't, you don't like, wallow and... You know, you have a little, you have a little self pity. Well, you, know, you, you have do. a little, you have a little. I mean, you do. It's human nature, you know. Like you, you, everybody feels bad for themselves a little bit at sometimes, right. you know, one time or another. Well, but especially but at then you quickly, you quickly say, "There's, a, there's an opportunity here somewhere, and I'm going to find it." Yeah, yeah. So 08 comes. So in 08, so here I am, this young kid making money. I was supporting a young single LA young kid lifestyle, mm-hmm. partying, having a great time with no worries really in the world, no distractions. I had no girlfriend, no kids, no no family out there to get on my case about anything. I was living the life. Enter 2008, and not to get like too deep involved in it, but as mortgage brokers, we would basically get somebody who needed a refinance or a, a purchase of a, of a home. They would get their mm-hmm. mortgage, and then we would take their situation, we would shop it to different brokers. Whichever broker was gonna give the best deal, that's who got the deal. That's who, got, that's who financed the loan. 
So we would have the brokers come to the office. A lot of times they would bring us lunch and bring us gift and schmooze us and take us to Laker games and things like that. And there was this one guy, we called him Fuzz. <laughs> Fuzz, was a, Fuzz was a cool, chic, like he was a cool dude. Like he was always very like primmed up and looked good. And he was known for getting deals done. Mm -hmm. And he worked for a subprime bank and subprime banks would get very, very difficult borrowers, loans, people who had bad credit, things like that. And he always got them done, he always got them through. I had a deal that was going through, it was at the final stage, this final process, and this is when it hit me that things were kind of turning. Um, when every, Whenever I spoke to Fuzz, he was always on like very confident, like, yeah, we got this, don't worry about it, I'll make it work, I'll push it through. Anyway, bottom line, a, guy, a client closes at the table, signs papers, paperwork, a day later, two days later, it was a cash out refinance, I'll never forget, the guy was supposed to get like $50,000 to redo his house or something like that. And the guy calls me in a frantic panic. He's like, there, there, there's no money. The money never hit my account. I said, hold on. Let me call my guy. I call Fuzz. Fuzz, what's going on? Like, you know, like, what's the deal with this? You know? And he just paused. And the guy like, oh, God, sounds. that's not good. And I'll never, I'll never forget this because it was such an impact on my career and my life. And he just like, he was broken. He goes, Stevie, it's over. Oh, my God. He called me, Stevie, it's over. I was like, Fuzz, what I the just hell got are you, chills. What the yeah. hell are you talking yeah. about? What do you mean it's over? It's over, man. Like, like it's done. And the whole time I was doing this, I was always saying to myself, like, this isn't, it's not possible that it's this easy. Mm -hmm. First of all, A, to make the money that I was making at the time. Yeah. And B, for people who were looking for these loans to get approved. Right. Like, you had a janitor making like $30,000 or $40,000 a year getting approved for like a $650,000 loan. It didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So, 2008 comes, the whole world collapses, everything. So now you go from doing all this business to, doesn't matter how hard you're working to significantly decrease it. Well, and for you, you have these people that were relying on you that now you're telling them. I had to tell oh, this poor guy. This this guy poor... You're not getting your money. No, like, straight up. I literally had to have that conversation. And then you had to tell him, yeah, I trusted a guy named Fuzz. Right. Sorry. Right. <laughs> it wasn't I'm Fuzz's kidding. fault, it wasn't... was it? You know, it's literally the world collapsed. Mm -hmm. And as a 24 or whatever year old kid I was, I had to tell like a 50 year old man at that time. I'm sorry that you and your family are not going to get this money because the things outside of my control just happened. So the world collapses. At that point, I'm kind of like fed up with LA. I'm like, F this. I'm, I'm done. I'm working my ass off. I'm trying as hard as I can. I'm moving home. I'm moving back to Jersey. Like, I'm just going to put it. Please. Caveat in. in here. It's a good place to be. Just a shout out to Steve's mom, Barbara Cordopazzi. <laughs> I mean, that woman makes a crumb cake like I've never eaten. <laughs> She, I mean, like the Reuben dip, it's, I dream of this stuff. So listeners recognize that like moving home, it was like, I need Barb's yeah, home he, he cooking did, and... You, you didn't, you didn't sleep in your car. You didn't have no, to sleep no, in your car. No, I, I was very fortunate. But coming back from LA, I mean, he's coming back to good stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. A lot of fatty foods. But anyway, so I moved back and I'm lost, completely lost. Mm -hmm. you know, so I went from living this lavish, what I thought lifestyle in California to... Marlboro, New Jersey, and not knowing what the hell I was going to do with my life. Mm -hmm. So I was completely lost. I started scrambling. I went back into the mortgage business. My brother's best friend, who was I was close with too, he moved back. We started a firm together. It just didn't work out. He's like, dude, I'm done with this business. I made my money. I'm good. He went into the family business, and he's probably doing better now than he ever did before. And I went to my dad. I'm like, Dad, can I get into your business? He's like, No, it's you know, I own body, <laughs> I own a body shop. You're not, you're not. It's a filthy business. You went to college. Go make money with your brain. You know, so that's cool though because a lot of parents they're looking for their kid to kind of follow in their footsteps. It's cool of your dad that he didn't push you into that because it'd be very easy for him to say, okay, now I've got a legacy and somebody to leave this totally. to. 
but he also recognized like I don't really want you to have to do what I'm doing from a young age. And a lot of people, a lot of people would say like, "Oh, you're gonna go into your father's business. You're gonna take over your father's mm-hmm. company." And I would almost be embarrassed, like, "No, he doesn't want me to do that." You know, he he would always tell me, "This business sucks. It's filthy. It's dirty. I don't want you to do this. I want better for you." Mm-hmm. Mind you. Like my, I grew up very comfortable. Well, there's, there's a lot of ways out. to make. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot yeah. of ways that you can make money, right? right? But it's like he he just wanted something different for you. Right, totally. And and I don't blame him for that, you know. And my, you know, he was. I'm never home. I work so. There's a joke in my family. I didn't meet my father till I was 12. You know, like right. my father was always working. You know, right. mm-hmm. and and I never like shamed him for it. You know, my father wasn't the guy that was bringing me to baseball practice. It was my mother. Because my father just didn't have that time. Mm-hmm. Well, and you probably now, being at a different stage in your life, now you, Steve has has the most adorable son. Him and Monica created this amazing little human being. It's my world. James, he's so freaking cute. But now that your world is expanding a little bit, mm-hmm. you probably are starting to see even in, that must impact the decisions that you make. So oh my like, God, yes. when we look at your career, right, and where it has come from where it is now and just like the variety of things that you know balls that you have in the air right so like you've got the gym like part of a franchise you've got so fresh so clean that you and gina started from the ground up right you've got um the gas stations you've got like real estate there's a lot of different things so when you think about all of these things and how they've come together and where you see all of that going mm-hmm. how has having a family impacted the way that you think about what you put into all of this and how you approach it and yeah. how you approach your next move. It's completely changed, obviously. You know, Joe, I'm sure you could speak to this very well too. Having a family, having kids, mm-hmm. you know, it changes your your whole thought process. You immediately become unselfish and everything becomes about Correct. your family. Is that right? That's right. So everything that you do, every, every move you make is now much more calculated. I think that like everything that I'm doing is now for my son's benefit and my, you know, my, right. my children's benefit, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'll just say, um, he has been incredibly selfless unless it came to food <laughs> and ice cream, right? I was yeah. going to bring you ice cream, but that's interesting. So I want to bring up, you mentioned the family and how it changes you and, and all that stuff and how your dad worked hard and so on. Uh, so I want to ask you two, two questions. Please. How did you get from coming home and not knowing what you want to do to opening multiple businesses and are you the same way with your son as your dad was let's bridge the gap a little bit because we'll be here for four hours if i don't <laughs> it's okay we'll, we'll, we'll work we have, we'll have three episodes out of this <laughs> exactly so we'll anyway. edit christine out that's right all. <laughs> so oh, sorry <laughs> Wow. You should see what she did. The look she just sent me. Oh, Whoa. Boy. Wow. We, should be, we should be filming this. But you do the editing, Christina. So it's. Uh... We will not be editing Christina now. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, but I mean, long story short, I, I you know, I had this stint in California, came home, it was a very humbling experience. Mm-hmm. I, ironically, I went on to get a job at Lehman Brothers post bankruptcy. Lehman Brothers was the fourth, fourth largest investment firm. Um, in the world, mm-hmm. and I got a job in their accounting department. Wait, and I love this because Brad and I always joke. Brad is my husband. We joke because we're like, you worked at Lehman Brothers way after we knew Lehman Brothers was a thing. Totally. <laughs> like when I first met you, and you were like, I work for Lehman Brothers. I was like, what? I was like, I yeah. thought that ended in like 2008. Every, that was everybody. Everybody <laughs> saying that, like, oh, you don't work for Lehman. No, I actually worked for Lehman Brothers Holdings Corp. Corporation. 
I worked on the bankruptcy. I, worked, I was hired after bankruptcy to help dissolve the bankruptcy, and right. I worked in their accounting department. Okay, a lot did a lot of accounts payable type right. work and things like that. It was ironic because I went from working in mortgages to you know not, they were like a lot to blame for the whole the whole. You're you know, not working in part of the company. And now that, I'm working right? for Lehman Brothers, who is an investment <laughs> bank involved in it. So, uh, but I was only in the accounting department, and because that was the only that was the only thing that I got offered, and that's what I got from Lehman. I went to a hedge fund. I was a hedge fund accountant, which was a lot going from a bankrupt investment firm to an active, like managing sixty billion dollar assets hedge mm -hmm. fund was a complete wake up call. Sure. Because yeah. Lehman Brothers was very laid back at that time because it was bankrupt and I was like, eh, you know, right. you know what are they gonna do to us? Hopefully we'll be here, but <laughs> you know, you, we were operating on yearly contracts and then you go into like full swing. I started to hate what I was doing because I was going to the city every day and the commute. I live in Hoboken and commuting to the city to my job in you know Midtown East was taking me over an hour every day each way. You get up at seven o'clock and you walk out, people are looking like, where are you going? You yeah. Know? So I hated it. So I, then I started to think to myself, what can I do to continue like my lifestyle and living mm -hmm. financially the way I'm living now, but get the hell out of corporate America. So, um, I, somewhere in the mix in like 2014, I, I opened up the gym and I was looking all over. I first started looking in Livingston and this is when Monica and I were like first dating. I remember when you guys were you going and looking at spaces. Yeah. yeah. And she said to me, my wife, Monica, she said to me, she goes, Look in Wayne. Wayne needs something like this. Wayne, New Jersey exactly needs did. this. It needs this. So I was like, all right, maybe we'll go on a Saturday. We'll go drive. So we went around. We drove around. We looked. I was like, wow, this reminds me of a town that I grew up in that it could work right. here. Fast forward, I open up CKO Kickboxing in Wayne. And I'm doing that while I'm working in the city, while I'm working for these different companies. And I'm trying to juggle the two. You know, like I have my, like my portal for CKO up and my CFO is walking by. I'm like, I'm quickly minimizing. I learned all the tricks, like, you and know, like the old tab, like you know, the old tab. Yeah, you know, you know the old tab. But when you called CKO too, it went to your cell phone. Exactly. So you'd, be like, you'd be like, CKO kickboxing, and be like, Spence? They must have thought that I had like bladder problems because I would get up and go to the bathroom all the time every time the phone rang. This is, this is, and this is normal to me. This is what I thought that like, we can't criticize you if we think you have health problems. But I mean, you didn't problems, only right? open a gym. You created a whole, like a family there. Yeah. You created a, an environment where people came and felt like they were part of something because you were present there. Mm -hmm. You were teaching there. I was literally going from the office to CKO at night. I was teaching a class. I was working the desk. I would close up at 8, 9 o'clock at night or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I would mop and clean the floor, leave at like 11, 12 o'clock. Go back the next day, do the same thing. Work in the office, wow. go to the gym, do, and I loved it. I, I would literally be there mopping the floor at 11 o'clock at night, loving my life because I loved being there. Because right. CKO, for me, it changed my life. Mm -hmm. It took me from being a kind of a chubbier, got kind of a guy, to being a little bit more in shape. Now I'm the true version of, you know, the shoemaker has holes in his shoes. No, but... You know, no. I own a gym and I'm not... I will say this. <laughs> in shape. Yeah, but you know what? No matter how much you exercise, the love of, like... Oh. Food and, and drinks. We just, really, we, we, like, there's not pancakes. enough hours in the day, you know? <laughs> For sure. But you can we're, eat we're, as clean as you want Monday <laughs> to Friday. I mean, the damage I do on the weekends, my Bad. God. <laughs> Bad. And you work out a lot. I, I mean, that's why so, I'm saying, right, yeah. like, imagine if we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but what got you? So, CKO, were you, did you? take classes there and you got yeah, so, to to understand it and and then so the quick invest. story of cko i went to cko in hoboken with um, my best friend mike 
and we would go there and take class. And I was like, wow, like this is a great workout. Mm -hmm. And he said to me one time, he's like, you know, we should open one of these up where we grew up, you know, in Marlboro, in Alpine, Freehold area. And I was like, yeah, you know, okay. The next day he comes in with all this information on it. He's like, I'm doing it. I was like, whoa, I, I, I don't know if I'm ready to do that. He's like, well, I'm doing it. So him and my other best friend, Matt, they opened up CKO and Freehold, hugely successful. And, you know, after like six months, I was like, guys, I'm ready to, to get into it. So, no, no, sorry. No, no, sorry. You shit out of luck. Like, find your own location, bud. Right, right, yeah. Like, oh, we did all the hard work. Now you want to jump in? No, thanks. So that was my introduction to trying to do And I was like, you know what? I can do it myself. So I opened up CKO Wayne. It was the new hot thing in town. Everything was great. And then I was still in the position where you know, I didn't want to leave that finance business salary yet because I was spoiled by it and I wanted to kind of make the transition well, it's but, also mm -hmm. stable as yeah, you're building totally something new there's so much ramp up in time well, it's very nice to, to have a check have every week or yeah. every other week coming in even if it's not what you <laughs> want to make it's better than nothing well and i think that's maybe a good pivot into some of the benefits of having that stability versus like your own thing so the anxieties that you feel are very different right totally. like when you have and dad this is something your career has evolved you went from having to worry about, are people going to pay? Is there going to be like a check? If I go on vacation, I'm not earning like mm -hmm. literally. So it's funny because in one of your previous episodes, I remember hearing you say that yep. and I li like out loud, I was like, oh my God, this is me. I'm living this now. Mm -hmm. Right. What you were talking about, chasing people for your money and chasing. Mm -hmm. And it's almost mind blowing that, you know, you're in a, almost like a professional setting and you do a job for somebody, you hand an invoice to somebody and you have to chase them for, for exactly what you did yeah. and you have to feel like a heel for asking for your money right right it's wild it's I negotiate i'm almost i negotiated to get the job now i'm negotiating how you're going to pay me right and, and, well, and it was almost so. a relief when you said like i felt bad because I, I know what you're going through and at the same time it was almost a relief like i'm not the only one who has who has to deal with this right it, literally you so say you hit home when you when i heard you saying that so but that's the pros and cons right like totally. the pros and cons of all of this it's like you have the the freedom mm -hmm. of that you're not responsible to somebody else anymore and the passion that you feel for what you're doing you can really channel and you can put all of your energy into that but the con is that at the end of the day if you didn't make money you can't pay yourself right versus like when it's somebody else and you're working for a big company you're gonna get your paycheck every two weeks yep. or whatever the right. cadence and it, is. And it's difficult to get to the level that your entity is bringing in so much money that you can take the money you need every week right. and then go collect the money, but it's not affecting whether you're paying the mortgage. And as you know, you're, you know, as the owner or the, the entrepreneur, you're the last mm -hmm. person to get paid. Right. Exactly. You know, there's, yeah, like there's, at the gym, you pay, you, you got to pay the people that are managing, got, you have to pay the totally. trainers. Yeah. And then yeah. it's like, if there's anything left at the end of that, then you get paid. Yeah. I, I mean, Joe, like for me, like there's, there's months, there's weeks there. Hey, you don't take a paycheck this week because it's been a rough, rough patch, you know. But everybody else got their, everybody else got paid. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how much how often mom would say, "Can I? Can we pay the mortgage?" And I'd be like, "Just another couple of days. Like, we'll we'll push it right to the, yeah, to the end because I'm scrambling just to get some money in. And then there'd be a ton of money come in. Right. And she'd say, "Oh, this is great. We we can go on vacation." No, <laughs> like, no, 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 not yet. That's why you never <laughs> no wanted vacation. to go to Wildwood. You're like, no, 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 <laughs> no vacation because I just. So I'm not a fan of Wildwood either, Joe. Right, I heard right. that story too. Yeah. I don't know. I, and so, I'm not a beach guy either. I so oh, I, know that, I, I know that you hate I the love sand. you. Fantastic. You so, should not be afraid of me. This is so great. I'm a pool, I'm a pool guy, <laughs> not guys, a beach I'm guy. Go. I'm just gonna leave. <laughs> I'm gonna leave you two to your little love affair up. here. Yeah. <laughs> 
So when you said that you're not a beach guy with the sand, I was like, yes, he, yes, yes. I, I get him. Like he gets. Thank me. you, because yes. there are people like us. Totally. Cause, cause I call my... bullshit. You seemed plenty happy at Tiki Bar. Was that just the Tiki Teas talking? Yeah, I mean, there was like 17 Tiki Teas <laughs> rolling through my 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 bloodstream. So yeah, yeah. you you could put me on Mars so, and I would be happy. <laughs> so you have the, uh, the so so CKO and then the meal prep so yeah I so wanna, uh, can we take a second here though because i think this is a good time for us to talk a little bit about what are the benefits so you've got and i think any entrepreneur listening if there's any out there you've got obviously we just talked a little bit about the positives of having a st- stable company that you're working for mm-hmm. you got benefits you've got a paycheck that's coming but then you went into a franchise Right. And from there, you started your own thing, and and you've got a lot of your own things going now. But what are the differences between franchising? Because that's like your that's a, a good way. I think a lot of people kind of dip their toe in the entrepreneurial water because they're starting something, but there's somebody else that's kind of got their back. Like uh, so, within the guidelines of a franchise, and then your own thing. Like, what are some of the positives and negatives of your experience being part of a franchise? doing things on your own and, and just that's all that. a fantastic question. I, I think that's a fantastic point too, is that franchising, getting into a business, you're a business owner, but you're a franchisee, right? So you're protected by the, the overall entity of the franchisor, so to speak. And it's almost like you're, it's, it's like a starting point for you because it's not like I'm starting up Steve's CKO of Steve's kickboxing, you know, gym. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, I'm CKO kickboxing of Wayne and there's 90 other CKO kickboxings mm-hmm. and I've seen what they've done already. And I'm like, okay, if it worked in all these other places, I could probably, it gives you almost like, not, I don't want to say a false sense of security, but it gives you a sense of security knowing that it, there's a model that there's other model. people have used and if you replicate it there'll be a modicum of success well, and there's hopefully. a brand and there's right. support from a marketing perspective so right. it's not like when you're thinking about the daunting task of i think about with what you must have gone through with so fresh so clean and everything you're building something from the ground up and now you've got to get to the point where people know who you are know what you're about you're responsible for everything being in a franchise you have access to a lot of things graphic designers printers things Mm -hmm. like that people that you think you know vendors and people that you don't have to necessarily think about if you're just your own business owner so that helps the whole process a lot and it helps you in the learning process as well so i learned so much starting up cko kickboxing which led me into so fresh so clean meal prep so you know now fast forward again into a couple of years into cko kickboxing the meal prep business becomes huge Right, it becomes a very, very popular thing, and I love to cook. Now, my manager at CKO Kickboxing, shout out to Gina Haskup because she's the best manager. She's literally, you know, been like my right hand with the gym. She's done so much for me, and been there when I haven't been able to be there to run the show. So we were talking, and we're like, "Wow, this meal prep business is kind of blowing up." You know, I like to cook. You like to, and we both kind of just said, "Why don't we start a meal prep company?" I'm like, oh my God, this is Q great. in Johnson & Wales Education. Q in my culinary school <laughs> slash business that was school. Good. That was a good yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Well, it all ties together. Exactly. So uh, we start like spitballing and, and it goes from a conversation to a real business. And um, you know, I think that's so cool how those things happen. Wild. Right. And it's the same way that we're all here talking right now because we literally had a conversation about yep. a yeah. podcast and now we're like, we have a guest. Yeah. yeah. Holy and, shit, we have a we're, guest. We're sitting here with microphones in front of our face. <laughs> yes. you know? like, it, and this is like so cool. And so. we can drink while we work in this profession. <laughs> it's so nice. 
exactly. So, uh, so, so fresh, so clean was born and it worked out really well. And, and it was a lot of work. It was a lot of research, a lot of mistakes that we made. We developed a menu. We've changed the menu. We've added things. We've taken things off. We had a few different commercial kitchen spaces. It's been a wild ride. It's been really, really fun. This is the way that I try to eat. And we try to take food that we've grown up with, the good types of food, and we make the diet version of it or the, the healthier version of it. You know, you found a way to make good food, fresh food, accessible food. And for busy, like for me, I, I enjoy cooking, but I don't find the time for cooking. And more than I don't find the time for cooking, it's finding the time for cooking and cleaning and right. shopping and all of that. I've always been so excited about the Monday morning deliveries and just the peace of mind that there's freshly cooked food that I know the people that put their part into preparing it. And it's always really good, even though it's healthy. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it's tough. Like anything, anytime you do like any type of a meal prep and you're putting it in a container in the fridge and you're eating it two or three days later, you have to be conscious of the fact that it's not going to taste as good as it's like right out of the frying pan or, or right out of the oven or whatever it is. So that was part of the challenge. It's like there's certain things that just won't taste good three days later. Right. So you have to nix them off your off your menu and you just you can't point. make them. Right. They won't taste good in a container. But you, but you also, that business, although it's, you say, CKO kickboxing versus, you know, a meal prep, but the your customers in the CKO kickboxing are into health, totally, and so on. So you did have a, a way to get initial sales, right? Thank God for your father because he brings us back to earth. Because we're like That's you and I, wrong. you and I would be spinning off on a tangent right now, and we'd just be like, so that's your like father's so, blue meatballs, right? So politely, it was like. Hey, get it together. Come right back. He's like, I don't mean to interrupt you, but... He's literally feeding me my lines is what he's doing. So the man is a genius. He's like, so let's talk about how those two things connect. The, the chairman and CEO of Wayne Township, New Jersey. Um, well, that's how that's how Benny and... Or Steven and my back. dad first met yes. was when we'll touch Steve, on that. The, the franchise of CKO owner, was like... Hey Christina, I need a booth at Wayne Day, <laughs> and I'm like, I know. Somebody. And how Joe Graziano sold me not on one but on two <laughs> spots. He's like, don't you want a booth for your car? So I have quick story. I have a I have a little Fiat Fiat 500, and I wrapped it in like CKO like logos and stuff. And I was pulling it up to the booth when I I got the booth, you know, for Wayne Day. And Joe was driving around in his, in his golf cart like you know like the president, and. <laughs> Um, he stopped by, everything all good, shaking hands, signing autographs. He stopped by, is everything all good, Steve? All, all good, Steve? I said, yeah, it's great. He's like, oh, that car is awesome. He's like, I said, yeah, you know, it's great. He goes, next year you should rent two spots and, t and park the car in the second spot. Is that how it happened? It's exactly how Are it happened. Are you trying to upsell my friends? He legitimately sold me Dad. on two spots. Legitimately sold me. I was like, this guy. Dad, you're savage. That's savage. Terrible. And, and like, I was like, yep, yep, that's, what I'm, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Can I go get you a coffee, Mr. Graziano? Can you, can you <laughs> So, uh, but which was a genius idea because everybody came to the booth the following year mm -hmm. and they immediately went over to the car because it's a tiny little Fiat and it's like wrapped and it looks kind of cool. Well, that's they what probably, I, I looked at it. They probably thought you were raffling it off or something. Probably. No, but I, I looked at the car and it was wrapped. It said it, it had everything on it and it was the size. It's a tiny little car. <laughs> Could fit in and, your back pocket. And the Wayne Day booth, Wayne Day is an annual festival we have in town. The Wayne Day booth is like 15 by 15. The car fit with Easily. space to spare. What totally. was, I've always been curious about this, and this is just me asking you, but what was the motivation behind the Fiat? I've always wondered, I, I see it in the parking mm -hmm. lot for CKO all the time. 
So the fiat, the idea behind the fiat was that it's so ridiculously small mm -hmm. that you're forced Perfect. to look at it, mm -hmm. right? So for me, if I did like a normal size car, I'd be like, ah, oh, there's another car that's wrapped. Mm -hmm. So the fiat, it's either, it either my thought was it, it either has to be extremely small or extremely big, right? Something to grab your eye and grab your attention right. to where you are drawn to it and it forces you to look at it and see exactly what it is. That was my No, I like, I've always wondered idea. though, cause great I'm like, idea. you know, you're not delivering, I mean, actually you are delivering food now. Let me tell you something, the room in the Fiat for like putting stuff in there, it actually, it's got a hell of a lot more room than you would think. Yeah. yeah. But see, that's, you're, you are a genius because th this is, that's a roaming. That's I love your father. We're going to have a, to grease up your head to get it out of here. No, but that's a roaming, Both it's a billboard, but if you exactly put it, like you is. said, if you put it on a bigger car, it, it would have just like, okay, but the car is CKO fits on the car, right? Right, because the car is too small for anything else to. Fit. And the CKO colors are yellow and black, so they, it, which, it popped. You know, shout out to them for for using yeah. those colors. But that 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 was. So you have this food prep business that dovetails and literally fits perfectly with CKO. Yeah, my, and, and you can go in another direction with it, which also helps you to shield if CKO, which we had a pandemic. I'm sure that affected your very, business. Very much so. Right? Yeah. The meal prep, perhaps not as affected by that. You know, it's funny because CKO, so CKO has been very good to me. It's been, it's been great for the community. I have a love for the Wayne community that, you know, like I never knew. This mm -hmm. isn't my town. I never grew up here. Right. But I, I'm a business owner in, in Wayne and I love this community. I love the people that are around here. I've literally grown to this community and CKO started off great and the pandemic happened and it's a gym. At the end of the day, mm -hmm. I don't care how great and popular you are as a fitness place, right. you took a hit. And restaurants, every other, uh, all these other industries took such a hit, and the gym industry took a major hit. It's a constant battle. It really is. I'm going to be totally right. candid and totally honest. CKO has had better days. And, um, you know, it's, we're, we're trying to, you know, to stay alive. And, and that's really kind of where we're at with it right now. But So Fresh, So Clean was integrated into CKO because I was like, oh my God, I have people who are health conscious and they want to eat good. I'm going to blend the two together. I would put meals in the it fridge. Was so right. yeah. I was like, I'm going to pitch it to my members. So the pandemic really threw a wrench in everybody's life mm -hmm. one way or the other. So now mind you, we're doing CKO, I'm, I'm doing CKO. And then so Gina, who's my manager at CKO, who is now my partner in So Fresh, So Clean, she's taking a lot, lot, lot more like of a role on doing, doing more. And I'm, and now as I'm getting like that more entrepreneurial spirit, I'm like, I can get the hell out of, um, corporate America. Mm -hmm. So I start researching businesses and I start thinking about what can I do? What can I, what kind of a business can I invest in to mm -hmm. compensate me financially for what I'm doing and get the hell out of the city? I don't want to wear dress pants. I don't want to wear a suit every day. I'm done with it. So, um, my father is in the collision business always has been, I was always in like, enamored by it. He, constantly pushed me away from it so like a normal son i wanted to go into it and i wanted to learn about it <laughs> and cars and stuff i wanted to defy my father so like let me in let me in mm -hmm. damn it so he 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 would always mention like gas stations and like oh i really want a gas station so i started doing my research i started learning about them i started learning about like what's behind them how much does it take to get in, invest in them and how much money you can make on them long story short i found there was two stations that were for sale and they were owned by the same guy who was retiring one was a very busy station. The other one was kind of like, okay. So um, I struck a deal and um, bought the gas stations, you know, and invested, you know, into it. And I was like, this is my, this is going to be my future. I'm going to be great. an entrepreneur. You know, I'm going to just literally have a bunch of different wow. businesses and, right. and go into it. So I, I got a crash course in the gas station. But I had no idea about like the gas world. Um, I got a crash course on it. Luckily, the former owner's son 
who was very much involved, really kind of like took me up under his wing and taught me everything. Um, we actually made it part of the contract because I was so afraid that... But that's I, smart, though. I was I was petrified. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to get into this and not have a clue. So I, I told my attorney, I said, put in the contract that he has to stay with me for like 60 days or 90 days to teach me the business and, and sure. tell me how to order the gas and go over there. And this is like two and a half years later. We, we still speak like every other day. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Wonderful. So there's three of them now, three stations now, trying to expand, trying to grow. And, uh, you know, and that's it. You know, I'll, I'll open a lemonade stand if, if I think it, it's got potential. <laughs> but I think that's, that's the wonderful. cool thing is yeah. because a lot of people think they need to, like, keep educating themselves mm-hmm. to go get, you know, learn another trade. And sometimes it's just a matter of, and of course, it takes some capital in order to do these things. So part of it was putting your time into the mortgage and investment banking and whatever. And, like, I look at that as... A lot of entrepreneurs put their time in doing things where they can earn money that they can then go and create something of their own with. Absolutely. Maybe some people are lucky and they have other people that can kind of inject cash into whatever they want to do. And that's great too. But I think if you really want to be successful, and I look at you guys, I look at any entrepreneurs I admire, they all have a story of kind of like rags to riches or where they were working for a certain period of time in order to set themselves up for what their future looks like. And I think it's like what you're doing now, you're building for, we're all building for what we want later and all trying to set something up so that hopefully at some point we'll be able to really enjoy a quality of life and like go to see James when he's finally like playing soccer or what, whatever he does, you know. Yeah, probably hockey and football and baseball. Hockey yeah, and football sure. and baseball. <laughs> whatever, you know. Right. But like, it's it's interesting, I think, because you didn't go to school to, you know, you didn't go to school for, you did go to a culinary school, but like you didn't go to school for CKO. These things just found you in a way. Your eyes were open enough to identify opportunities as they came to you. And if you hadn't been open to that, you may still be at Lehman Brothers if it's still around. It's still, it is still around. There are still people working for Lehman. A lot of, mostly tax people. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, you don't own unwind the company like that over uh, it, yeah, in no time. It takes yeah. years. To, I mean, I, I'm right. pretty sure there's still people working for Enron. Mm. Probably. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably. not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Christina, you Are there still it. people working for Napster? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Christina, you nailed it. Yeah. And, you know, and... Um, it's it's you know it's been a wild ride and it's just it's it's very it's humbling it's been humbling it's been great you know it's been every single emotion i think that you need you know and joe i'm sure you could you could speak to this you need a good support system around yeah, you too absolutely you know like you know your family you know your friends you know doing these types of things is is a lot it's mm-hmm. it's very taxing on you and on the body you know and um you need good people around you you need you know people to make you smile lift you up when you're down and vice versa but um you know i've been blessed with a, a very a fantastic support system and like friends and family that have done nothing but support me my entire life right and had i not had that um i probably i, I don't know what i'd be doing you know right. i really don't i i don't know what I'd yeah be doing. we're all very lucky from that perspective dad earmuffs i don't want you to hear this but <laughs> we're a good support system so thanks i'm sure i'm sure that <laughs> but, but this is, and yeah, success no, too, i appreciate you know. that but that you're, you're 100 percent right because your 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 wife has to support you because there's ups and downs in yeah. this that are different. Well, his um, hours are... It's tough. No matter yeah. what you say, you know, like, I mean, you work bananas hours. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think anybody who's building something for themselves, mm-hmm. like, it's a certain... You have a different drive, right, and passion when you're building something for yourself. But you work hard. Yeah, and, and look, and I, and, I've, and I said this before, too. Like, like complaining, complaining sucks. 
don't complain. Nobody wants to hear your shit. Excuse right. my language. Like nobody wants to hear. You're right. It. If you chose to here. do this, you chose to do this. Like do it. Mm-hmm. Like suck it up and live with it. Because you know, at the end of the day, like not to get too deep, but like we all woke up this morning. Life is good. You tied your own shoes. You brushed your own teeth. Right. Life is well, that's good. That's why I was saying my eyes opened this morning, and it was what am I going to bitch about? I have a headache, or I have right. you know whatever, or a client didn't. Pay. I mean, yeah, I'm going to bitch about it to myself, but. And we will wind this down, and but I will. I want to ask you a question. That this is going to come out of the blue. Please. Do you find yourself, when you have a few minutes to sit and do nothing, do you find yourself thinking like, okay, now I have this approach for advertising for CKO, or or I think I know a new way to rearrange the gas station, or is that where you're? your thoughts go oh my god yes Uh, so i spend a lot of time in the car i Uh because i live in hoboken so just to give you a quick synopsis of my like route throughout the day Mm -hmm. i live in hoboken my kitchen is in west orange um my gas stations are in howell township wall township and then tom's river oh my god and then the gym is in wow so i if if you know if you know the the way the, the map of new jersey looks like you're everywhere i'm literally i'm in like 17 different counties you know wow um but so for me, going back to that, yes, the answer to your question is absolutely. I'm constantly thinking mm-hmm. because it's almost like a sickness in my mind. If I'm not working, if I'm not thinking about what I can do to make work better, I'm right. being lazy. Right. And it's it's a problem. But it's a bad way to that's be. That's guilt. And I feel totally. that too. Like you're kind of like, I mean, that just kind of triggered me a little bit because here I am on my like third mimosa and I'm like, I actually feel guilty now when I wake up and I don't feel as chipper on a saturday or sunday because i feel like i'm wasting the day Mm -hmm. it's a weird thing because like downtime and i feel like that's what you're saying it's like you no longer allow yourself complete downtime because you feel like it's time you need to invest into something but i'm gonna say something because it just i'm not upset by that in other words that is my downtime if you know what i'm saying i i it's your time it's my unwind time we joked about it earlier going to wildwood when you kids were little and stuff like that and i would be completely ticked off at the beach because well i didn't like it at the beach but i would go back i would take a shower and get dressed and i would sit on the deck of the little hotel i have a notebook that i still have of notes where i i'd be making notes i when i get back uh, I'm going to try this. I'm going to rearrange some things with that. I, I remember one day I went to a consulting client and they weren't at the door. And I went out to the car. I was waiting for them. And I was unhappy that day with where I was in my business. And I wrote, I want to get rid of this client. I'm going to get rid of that client. I'm going to do this different. I'm going to do that. I'm just saying that because all of us here, that's what we do. You're always on the clock. Always on the clock, but I don't mind and I like it because that's where, that's how I got around to everything that Well, but it's happens. also, I think, if you're doing something you care about, all of a sudden, like, that downtime, and I have air quotes that nobody can see right now, but that downtime is, like, you don't care about, like, thinking about, last night, I was like, oh, what can I post, like, from the podcast? Cause right. Because it's like... I'm like, this is the stuff that's exciting. Exactly. It's, it's like mopping the floor at midnight. Well, and that's I, whole... I loved it because it was like, I should be going home and trying to get some rest, but I love being there because you enjoy doing and it. And while well, you're and doing you're it, you're thinking about something that you're going to do but, with and it. And you're it. proud, yeah. right? Like, and I think that's the whole thing is like, you can't, if you want to create something of your own, you can't be above anything. Like Steve, you know, you may have ran a, you know, you might have worked on a hedge fund and you may be like, you know, a badass actor later in life, but like, 
you own a, a gas station, but somebody that's coming there, you're pumping their gas. Totally. And somebody might be like, oh, this is a guy pumping my gas. No, you freaking own that gas yeah, station, exactly. but you're still pumping yeah. the gas. Yeah. You're still mopping the floors. And it's like, sometimes that's what you have to do. However, when do you decide there's somebody out, like your time could be better spent doing something else? And like, what have you learned well, that's about a good that? Question. That is a fantastic. Delicate. And Joe, I'm sure you probably have had this battle with yourself too. Mm-hmm. And you probably thought this to yourself where you're almost being a hard worker and being a, like an entrepreneur and wanting to be so successful almost works against you. It does. Mm-hmm. Because you, there's nobody in this world that can do your job better than you or will be able in, to do that job. Mind, enough, which right? is the problem. That is exact, And that's that's a flaw of mine. It's and a flaw I, of mine, too. I feel like that's, that's like right. I, feel it, the same I thing. feel the same thing. It's a flaw because nobody, like nobody's going to pump gas better than me and that's stupid. But nobody cares about it more than you. That's exactly. the whole thing. You're like, no one loves this the way I love it. And they won't. And, and like, but I think that like successful people, people who are real, real true entrepreneurs, they, they make peace with the fact that, hey, like, Stephen Cordoposi can pump, I'm going to use arbitrary numbers, 10,000 gallons of, of gas today, right? Stephen Cordoposi, who hires Joe Schmo, can pump 8,700 gallons of gas today, right? Of course, you want the 10,000 gallons, but if I'm not there married to the pumps, and again, it's a stupid comparison. No, but, but, it's no, not. but it makes sense. If I'm not the one doing it like me being on the pumps and doing things like that i can't go do something else to make more money but it's also like the steven cordoposi that's pumping the gas can only own one gas station where the steven cordoposi that finds people to do it can own six right it's like penny wise and dollar stupid right Right. so i'm making a few extra like a couple of hundred bucks more but but i could be making thousands correct the humbling part of this is you find out when you do delegate that that guy you hired that was only doing 8700 actually talked to the customers more and had more loyalty and you yeah. actually pulled more pe- you don't even know what you do, what you lose you when think you think that you are the better of the, you almost of the have person. this like air about you like well nobody's gonna be good as me like they're doing just a fine job like you're not like you may not give somebody a fair shake because they're not you exactly but at the same time they're, they're sufficient in what they're doing and you're you're allowing yourself to scale and i get this from my father my father is in his 60s and he owns you know he's he's had a successful career mm-hmm. and he owns a body shop and he's his own painter because he paints cars nobody can paint better than me that's great dad right. like like you're covered in in paint and, and filth because and you're 64 or 63 years old whatever you are and like when are you gonna well i, I why do i have to pay a painter well i could do it myself uh, okay yeah well. that, that was that was that's that was a big it's problem like, with and, my, it, and with it's me. almost like finding like and i struggle with this because i'm a perfectionist so it's almost like you you want to do but it's like at the sacrifice of doing nothing you you want to do it perfect right um you have to just like pick and choose the things that you're willing to like have at 80 percent, so that you can and sometimes you may we may think we're the best at something we're like it's just not our sweet spot Uh, i mean like the breakage right it's it's you have to be you have to be at peace with breakage breakage is like a bar i bar used to bartend for years that was another thing like breakage is a thing that bar owners would say like oh somebody drops a bottle it's breakage to your point on that and this was something i didn't learn early enough on in the in business when you do your finances for what you need to charge and all of this breakage inefficiency remember people not paying things like that have to be built into your cost structure oh my god yes to charge enough you forget that when you start a business because you say again i'm going to do it myself i'm perfect and you're I'm so, so great. excited about having people that want to buy what you have right so so that way when, <laughs> when that you know waiter or waitress drops the tray with you know an entire meal that that was a hundred dollars of food that went out instead of 
now wanting to commit suicide. <laughs> right. That that needs to be baked into your cost structure For sure. and so on. And when you can remember that or realize that, then you don't mind you know, branching out and maybe delegating and, and get those other people. So it's, it's a tough thing to swallow. It's a tough, this, thing, tough thing to do. For so sure. to it is. So to wrap this up. Yes. Dad, we'll wrap it up, okay? Yes. Just like you want. Just like I want. No, you've been trying to wrap this up and we're just going Not on wrap it on. up. I want, you're you're been, a fantastic so, guest. No, I, I, I think fantastic. this has, been, host. This has been really fun. And I want to just, to wrap it up, Steve, if you were to, like, let's say that there's a group of entrepreneurs that are listening to this or kids that are in college, the, the next class of Johnson and Wales that went to business school because mm -hmm. they didn't want to try and get into the culinary and saw a niche there. Like, what would you say to other people about like starting their own thing? And, and just like, what advice would you give looking back on what you've done? Trust your instinct. I would say would probably be the first thing that I would say. And like, all the other crap, the other noise that you think that you should be doing because of like society is, is rough, right? Mm -hmm. Especially nowadays with social media and things like that. Like there's a lot of pressure on young people to live up to this standard, right? So my father used to say to me a long time ago, do what you love and the money will follow, right? So if you sweep floors, you can somehow come into a business of like manufacturing floor sweepers, whatever it is, you know? Do what you love and the money will follow, right? So don't do a job. Don't get into an industry. Don't get into a business because you think that that's going to be a great financial move. <laughs> and that's how we both started. And that's how we both started. <laughs> yeah, right. we all start, though. Yeah. And which goes to, I'm sure, like you said, yeah. the same thing. You learn from your mistakes. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so, and honestly, like, F what everybody else thinks. Do whatever you want. You know, be comfortable in your own skin. Be comfortable to trust your instinct to tell people, say, no, this isn't right. This isn't how it's supposed to be. And just be an individual stand out a little bit respect others and 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 that's it and just be your own business person you know like trust your gut it's great it's my biggest advice i love that beautiful i love it too so we're gonna totally. sign off on that note drop oh my god mic drops listen honestly and and <laughs> the original jingle joe i i respect it i love it you can do whatever you want you could play a violin on this thing and i'd still say it was great you could play violin, though. You could play violin? No, that is not a talent. Oh, okay. no, no. But, uh, yeah, you're, like, your jingles are great, so whatever you're doing, however you're making them. Did you really make up the... That's what I wanted to ask. Did you really make up the guitar riff? Was that you on the guitar? That's me on the guitar. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Did he make it up, though? I mean, that's... I love him even more. I, I can tell you that's a little kind of, like, thing he's been playing since I remember him playing the guitar. So even before, like, when I was little, he used to just, like, when he would sit there and take out a guitar and, like, be tuning it or whatever... He would start playing that. So when I showed up and I was like, what do you have for us? We're on episode five. You cannot disappoint me or the listeners. He played it and I was like, dad, that's so great. And I'm like, that's what you always played on the guitar. And I don't know where it came from. It may not be. It, it's, a, it's a blues you know, riff. It's nothing. Yeah. You know. And for me watching the, or listening to the, the podcast, as soon as I hear that or like whenever I hear that, it's kind of like it brings me like to a, a happy, happy place. It's, uh -huh. a, it's a happy place. <laughs> Thank well, you guys so much for having no, me. Thank it's, you. Honestly, this is a blast. It's, this is great. I'm honored to be here, and uh, you guys are perfect. You guys are great. And well, we're going to have you back. Doing because doing. This, no, this was, was, so this was much really fun. good. This was really thank good. You. This was so much fun. And my drink is empty now, so that means the show is just about over. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We hope to see you next week. Here you see you. We'll see you next week. <laughs> here you see you. <laughs> You
could talk through it if you want to say. I'm cheesing right now, just listening to the riff because I feel like I'm on a, I, I'm at a tiki bar somewhere with a drink in my hand, you know. You can't see it, but we're all kind of like playing it in yeah. our guitar. It's really corny. We're all cheesing into it. Plus, we've had a few drinks under our belt, so. <laughs> Bye. Wherever you are, whatever your story, thanks for spending time with us this morning. Now, go and make a difference in your world.